Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Godzilla Roundtable. As always, I am joined by... Ton here. And, and here. Sorry. And, and today, we are joined by a very special guest, a very good, good friend of mine, Richard Newby from, from The Hollywood Reporter, who I'm so excited to have. Hey, thank you for having me. It's no problem. So, Richard, as you know, we start off our our guests with how they got into Godzilla. So Richard, how did you get into Godzilla? Yeah, so um I was a I was a huge dinosaur kid uh growing up. Um and I was just like super into like paleontology, um Jurassic Park. And so uh Godzilla was just kind of like a natural extension of that. And um I really I really loved like horror movies and stuff too. Um especially like universal horror movies. Um, and I used to just like my my mom would record them for me on TV, um, and a lot of times like they were usually followed by uh, the Godzilla movie. Um, mm-hmm. So that was basically my my introduction. Um, my I, I was a big action figure collect, uh, collector as a kid, um, so I, I had a lot of Godzilla toys. I think like before I actually saw a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that uh, you know a lot of the the movies were released on on VHS. Um, around the time that the Emmerich film was coming out, um, yeah. which I, I, I was super excited about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I, I had bought a couple, um, or my mom had bought me a couple, um, the first of which that I saw, um, which I was talking to, to Faye about earlier, was um, uh, Godzilla's Revenge, um, which I, I really liked the title of it, um, which is interesting because uh, the, the movie itself is very like silly and, yeah. <laughs> that's the one with the, the non-canon one, right? Yeah, that's the one with the with the kid and Minya hanging out, Crash. <laughs> All monsters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh the, the other one that I saw during that time was actually um Godzilla versus King Adorah. Um and those were the, the first two um that I really saw. Um I remember the the VHS had like uh at the end of the movie there was like a a clip show that was like set to the Godzilla March, uh, and it just like kind of like showed clips from all the movies. Uh, and I just I love that score, and so I used to uh, listen to that and watch those those clips all the time. Um, and yeah, I, I had a I had a Godzilla themed birthday party when I was ten. Um, it was the uh, Emmerich one though, because <laughs> you know what all the all the merchandise was uh, at the time. So yeah, I um. I just I've always been uh, a fan of the of the character and the the world. Uh I'm definitely not uh an expert. Um you know I, I love learning about, you know, Godzilla stuff uh on Twitter, uh especially from Faye's account. Um you know, it's always oh, just thanks. Yeah, it's always just like interesting to like learn some of the like more, you know, political and and social aspects that you know have gone into uh these films because i mean really i just i i enjoy the the characters and the, the monsters and stuff i think that kaiju are really cool but uh yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm by no means a, an expert so i'm just like always open to like uh learning about it but i just i really appreciate uh the world and you know i i recently just re-watched a lot of them or watched some that i'd never seen before um with the the monster verse you know, really getting started over the, the next couple of years, some kind of uh, diving back in. Yeah. 
and I really appreciate like having like a, like a non super fans view on these films because like the crash who's entirely new to the franchise and we've been going through all of them in order i think that's essential for a fan base to not get too insular with itself i feel like i would 100 percent agree because oftentimes you see a lot of gatekeeping with stuff like this so mm-hmm. i think keeping it open to like new fans like that is always exciting you know like me yeah. brand new to this and i'm having a blast seeing all these movies well, it's new. it's been really fun. <laughs> well, it's new to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, uh, getting to learn a little bit more about uh, the fandom side of things. Just because, you know, for me, I'm I'm big in terms of uh, uh, comic book Twitter and, and horror Twitter. Uh, so you know, Godzilla Twitter. I don't, I don't. Have as many uh, accounts that I follow. I'm just kind of like maneuvering my way around, but it's always just really interesting to to hear people's thoughts about uh, these films. Yeah, definitely. Godzilla Twitter is it is a trip because it's basically <laughs> it's basically comic book movie Twitter on a much more insular level. Yeah. <laughs> For which comes with all the good and the bad of comic book movie Twitter. <laughs> As we're all well aware of. Anyways, that's a good lead, I, I guess, to, to starting this off, which is how would you guys rate Godzilla versus King Ghidorah out of 10? Are you going to put me on the spot again? Yeah, sure, Chris. <laughs> I, I offered myself up, damn. Um, I'll probably give it like a 6 out of 10. Okay. 6 out of 10 for me personally. <laughs> Uh, I would give it a uh, 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> okay, Ton. <laughs> Sorry, Crash. Richard? Uh, I give it a, a 7 out of 10. Fair. Wow. I... Oh, sorry, Crash. Go ahead. <laughs> no, nothing. I think they might really the lowest one. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay, Crash, because me and you are tied. I'd give this a 6 out of 10 as well. Ah, okay. <laughs> See, like for me, Godzilla, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is odd because I have a lot of nostalgia for it, but at the same point, I can't help but see the cracks in it as I've gone older. But I'll, let me just start this off, and then I'll um, discuss those. So this movie was the second Godzilla film directed by Kazuki Amori, coming back from Godzilla versus Biollante. After Biollante was not much of a success, he was under a lot more executive pressure and meddling than he was last time from what I from what I've read. So he didn't have as much creative freedom, which might explain a bit. And this movie also had a very wild um uh, production cycle, but I'll go into that in a bit. What did you guys think of Kazuki Amori second time around? Uh personally I felt it was hard for me to see. It did not flow as well as like Biolante did from return. <laughs> I honestly thought it was a different director at first because it felt much mm-hmm. different, like mm-hmm. a whole new style, kind of. Yeah, at least in my opinion, it definitely feels very stylistically different from Biolante. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It was just mm-hmm. it's really cool to see how he could like kind of shift his style like that so d- drastically. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, <laughs> yeah, ton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Richard. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it. I uh, I was just gonna say I really like uh, Biolante. Like, it's probably out of the um, 
that air is it is it pronounced Heisei? Heisei. Heisei. Yeah. yeah, out of the Heisei era, um, Biolante is probably one of my favorite looking uh, films. I just feel like, um, you know, the way that it's lit, like it's it's a very dark film, but I feel like the the suits look very great, and like Biolante is like a fantastic looking monster, um, and it's yeah. just weird like i just i love the the body horror aspect of it um same but uh so yeah yeah this this one is just like very different uh in style it definitely feels like uh a kind of like reaction to biolante being like kind of dark to kind of just like go for more like i guess uh summer blockbuster feel yeah it's definitely a tonal shift i feel like in a lot of ways and I think that's intentional because, like, Toho kind of blamed how wild that movie was on it not being the most successful. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame. Um, sorry, the Ton, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, so it's kind of interesting since I had commented last time that Biolante felt almost kind of like a return to a more show of form. But versus King Ghidorah, like you said, because of the executive input, it's definitely a lot more Showa-esque than any Heisei movie thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like a lot of classic tropes return, like mm-hmm. the UFO kind of thing. But yeah. Just a lot of vibes from Showa. But um, overall, I think I, I, I compliment... Um, What's the name again? Oh, Omori mm-hmm. for kind of keeping the Heisei feeling of yeah. modernization. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, it still complements well. And like I was saying, this movie had a very wild development cycle because this movie initially started as a, as a remake of King Kong vs. Godzilla. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. But basically, because remember way back in our King Kong vs. Godzilla episode, how I discussed the King Kong legal battle. Yep. When they were making when, when they were making this movie, that that legal battle was going down. King Kong was off the table entirely. <laughs> I love how they have not been able to get it back for like fifty years until now. Yeah. <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla has been something has been a pipe dream for so long so it's and, and seeing how much it gets seeing how much it gets pushed back maybe it's just cursed as a concept. <laughs> yes it's terrible look okay here's and, they mm-hmm. the rights to king kong again and they <laughs> to bacon and it's godzilla versus bacon right <laughs> that, that would be even more cursed because bacon's had even worse luck Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, that would be good. Ever since you told me about Big and Storm, I'm just kind of like, that's really, really dang his whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like for example, a big element that's left over was Mecha King Ghidorah, because basically, I forget. Did I crash? Did I ever tell you about about Mechanic Kong? No, Mechanic Kong. <laughs> basically, the original Toho Mech was the mechanical version of King Kong from a King Kong solo movie. Called King Kong Escapes. What the hell? <laughs> Robot King Kong. What? Yeah, and the original um a concept for this movie back when it was King Kong versus Godzilla as a remake was going to have King Kong getting turned into Mechani Kong, like how <laughs> King Ghidorah gets turned into Mecha King Ghidorah. 
Oh my gosh, that's really funny. <laughs> so that's a plot pulled over from that version of the script. Wow. Is this is this movie the first time that uh, a Mecha King shows up? Yeah, this is the first time Mecha King Ghidorah shows up. It's really funny too because because while we were watching this, Crash made a joke about King Ghidorah versus Mecha King Ghidorah, not knowing <laughs> that Mecha King Ghidorah was a thing. And I, then it showed up, and Crash I, was just like, "I don't know." How, I was like so confused in a way. I felt kind of like validated. I was like, "Wow, it's real," but I was like, "What the hell?" I was just kidding. But <laughs> it was pretty cool to see him. I like that. <laughs> But yeah, and then and then once they realized they couldn't use King Kong, they decided to sub King, King Kong in for their other king monster, King Ghidorah. <laughs> we we have the other king monsters. Put him. And then basically, this movie came out was a huge success, and that's really what got the the Heisei era going for four other movies after this. Wow. Because. So yeah, it's a wild story, and that's not even getting into the fact that King Ghidorah's origin changed from the first draft to the final draft. <laughs> yeah. Because in the first draft, King Ghidorah was going to be a clone of King Ghidorah found on Venus. That's that's so weird to me. It's like, so they were also going to try and mix in, like, Showa canon, but the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, not? Okay, I feel like... Okay, obviously that draft did not happen. But I'm also mm-hmm. just thinking, like, if that was supposed to be happen, why didn't they just, you know, just make it the original King Ghidorah instead of, like, there's another King Ghidorah, but we're going to clone him instead. That just feels really extra to me. Well, I think extra is the name of this movie's game, but I'll, <laughs> I'll get into that. Um, I guess, I guess, speaking of, I should start with King Ghidorah. This is the first reinvention of a classic Showa monster for a new era. So... Richard, what did you think of King Ghidorah's Return? Um, so yeah, I I I think that King Ghidorah is like a super interesting design. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite um, Godzilla adversaries. Um, I I don't remember like which uh, Showa films I I saw him in previously. I do remember the the Venus thing being being an element. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that this was I mean this is this is like the the third time I've seen it and like I, I watched it last year before uh, uh King of the Monsters. Um mm-hmm. but it's like it's it's such a weird uh I guess it's just like such a weird way to to do him with like with the the Dorats and everything. Yes. <laughs> like that was just like I like I, I love the whole like uh nuclear aspect of it and like Going back to like 1944 and seeing Godzilla like in his dinosaur form, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the just the the whole Dorat aspect of just taking these like cute little genetically engineered future creatures and <laughs> turning them into this three-headed monster is just like a really it's just a crazy concept. I thought it is. <laughs> Crash, do you want to get into your thoughts on on this new King Ghidorah? New King Ghidorah, um... yeah. One, King Ghidorah looks absolutely beautiful in this movie. Mm-hmm. He looks so nice. I love his redesign of this. Just makes him super cool. And obviously the effects are great, especially coming from the last time we saw him where he had like a real stiff neck problem. Yeah. He's not looking so hot. He looks great here. But um, his origin was really kind of funny to me. <laughs> the whole time travel thing is all just really interesting to me. But we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, I saw the Dorettes and... Kind of instantly, I was like, hmm, there's three Dorets, golden, 
they look cute. It's like something's not right. <laughs> Some they got something to do with Ghidorah, and it's just weird. I also think it's funny because I guess the future people are just really banking on the nuclear, yes, <laughs> turning them into Ghidorah as opposed to just giving them like radiation cancer or some shit. <laughs> so <laughs> it paid off for them. They got a giant monster, but uh, it's definitely a unique, weird way to go about creating Ghidorah. Yeah. I can give him points for being like original for that. Definitely not what I would have done or, or expected. Ton. Yeah, as always, the Heisei um, era just has nailed the effects. Um, this is the nicest Ghidorah has looked in a while since his subsequent appearances in the show era. Mm-hmm. This is a nice return to Kylat three-headed monster feel where he has the wildly moving heads, the big flapping wings, and Mecha um, King Ghidorah also has a really nice look, so design-wise and effects-wise, love Ghidorah. Um, not huge on his origin change. I kind of see what they're going for, kind of making him like an anti-Godzilla mm-hmm. by having him born from nuclear weaponry, but it definitely misses a bit of the magic that Ghidorah had in the show era, being this like crazy space alien. Mm-hmm. See, I, I have to like agree with the design effects stuff. I think King Ghidorah design-wise looks great, and I think effects-wise is definitely his strongest stuff since A.G. Subaraya stopped doing the effects. But I do feel like King Ghidorah is kind of underwhelming to a degree here, too. Because just like I was telling you, Crash, when we were watching it, to go from King Ghidorah in the Showa era, where it took at least two monsters to defeat him, to here where Godzilla kind of defeats him almost easily, with like two atomic breaths, once he's no longer being controlled, it's a little bit underwhelming to me. And it makes King Ghidorah feel a bit nerfed, especially because he's under control for most of the movie. So he doesn't really have that energy he kind of has in, say, Ghidorah's Red Monster, or as we saw later on in King of the Monsters in 2019, where he has much more of a personality and a sense of menace to him, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say that was something I thought was kind of interesting. And I, I posed that question to you. I was like, do you think Ghidorah can work in 1v1 scenarios? Because Ghidorah is always kind of portrayed as, you know, a very strong, very mm-hmm. efficient enemy that, you know, takes a lot of people to, like, either help out or helping him. So mm-hmm. 1v1 is kind of like they were, in, they were stuck in a kind of scenario where it's like, do we just make Ghidorah really weak or do we kind of stretch out, you know, their fight? Which I think would really work, but mm-hmm. here they opted to just kind of nerf him a lot. And it does show because their fight goes for, like, five minutes and then, like, yeah. him up. <laughs> And like, oh, oh sorry, go on. I, uh, I was just going to say that I thought that like I had also seen um, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, uh, giant monsters all out attack. Yeah. From 2001. And I thought that like the, I thought Ghidorah was like a much more menacing presence um, mm-hmm. that than he was here. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't really have like a ton of personality in this one. Although, yeah, I do agree that he, he looks great. Um, yeah. He, he he doesn't really like fulfill the the kind of threat uh, that you expect, and especially like I feel like coming off of Violante. Uh, yeah, like Violante yeah. is much more imposing as a monster. I feel like than this King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. 
like like for me also like you were saying crash i think the issue is king the door was designed as like as like a team-up villain because that first movie he was in was what brought together Matra and Rodan into into Godzilla as allies. Rodan, it was his first ever appearance in a Godzilla movie. And I feel like you kind of lose something by making him not be that level threat. Like, even later on in King and King of the Monsters, it takes Godzilla and Mothra together to bring down King Ghidorah. And it's still a hell of a fight in that movie. Like, Godzilla basically only wins by using his last-ditch form, his burning Godzilla form. Here, it's like the moment King Ghidorah is no longer being controlled by the future, by the people from the future, he just gets shot in the head, he gets his head blown off by Godzilla, and then Godzilla shoots him into the ocean, and that's it. <laughs> Very brutal. Just yeah. yeah. Damn. I like, and like, that's a cool idea. I just wish it was more earned, because there's cool moments cool with the King of King Ghidorah. Like, I love that they had him choke Godzilla out with his, with his necks, and they bring that back in King of the Monsters. I feel like in King of Monsters, it's cool. It's cooler there than it is here. I always love when monsters play around with stuff like that, like being yeah. creative with it. Also on the poster, which mm-hmm. I'll also talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a good lead. And let's talk about the other, well, the only new monster in this movie, which is Mecha King Ghidorah. Mecha King Ghidorah. Whoa, he's so <laughs> cool. As you all know, I fucking love Mecha Godzilla. So mm-hmm. Mega King Ghidorah is like let's make him even cooler. But uh <laughs> it was totally out of nowhere, super surprising, but it was cool. Although I found it a little fucked that like King Ghidorah was just kinda like brain dead and they were just kinda taking advantage of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and using as like a mech. Uh I was yeah. saying like you're done with him, what do they do? Just fucking like put him in storage? Like what do you <laughs> he's a giant well, monster. <laughs> well, they well they at the end of the movie they just ditched him yeah. at the bottom of Tokyo Bay. Like, yeah, you you can have him. <laughs> um, Ton, if you want to go next, because I know you love your mechs. Yeah, um, I think Ghidorah is definitely kind of like a nice surprise monster in this movie. It's not really anything you expect. You know, love the animation and the design for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely kind of got more like. Frankenstein's monster feel mm-hmm. uh, compared to Mechagazzle since he's literally just a mutilated corpse with robot bits in it on. <laughs> but, um, oh, it, it just has like kind of a nice flair and it adds to kind of that Showa um, flair that this movie has. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice, really like pulpy idea. So I think it works well. Mm-hmm. Richard, yeah, I, I love the the, the Mecha uh, aspect. I'm also a big fan of uh, Mecha Godzilla, and so uh, Mecha King Ghidorah is just like an awesome uh, extension of that. And I'd love to see like a them do like a modern version of that. Um, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a super cool design. Oh, that would be really cool. You're right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, like for me, we we'll make a King Ghidorah. I personally find that he's actually cooler than regular King Ghidorah in this movie. Like, I think like, he feels a lot more epic, I guess, to play lightly. But I have to admit, I have big nostalgia for Mecha King Ghidorah because, like, I brought up a few times. Guess what video game he was in? I gotta say that video game sounds like it was super stacked with its cast. They had like every y- fucking y- monster. Yeah, they had so many monsters in that. 
And Mecha Kingdor was so much fun to play in that game. So I have a lot of fun from Mecha Kingdor from that. I also think he's just a cool design in general. Mm-hmm. What's really funny to me, though, um, just to bring it up, is the Trendmasters line, which was which were the '90s figures, had Mecha Kingadora before his movie was allowed in America. <laughs> so a lot of Godzilla fans were like, "What is this monster? Where is he from?" Pretty cool. You just saw Trendmasters made an OC. Yes, yes, that's what people thought. That's funny. Wow. What I guess is a good lead in there to discussing the controversial elements of this movie. <laughs> yeah, better address the um, Godzilla and all. <laughs> the Godzilla Slur stepping on World War II soldiers in the room. With a really funny English. A dinosaur? What? <laughs> Basically, this movie got in a lot of trouble for how it portrayed World War II out of Japan. And even in Japan, people side-eyed it. Like Ishiro Honda, who was the director of the original Godzilla, as as I'm pretty sure we all know, um, was asked about it in an interview, and and he said that the, and he said that they that they went too far by by doing that. So it was a very controversial move. And before I say myself, I'm curious what you guys feel about it, and and anyone's free to go first. Um, I guess I I'll go first. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of a history. Military nerd myself. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm coming from a person who's alive way long after World War II has ended. So, this it's been like 70, oh, near, near 80 years since the war. Yeah. Um, well, and personally, my feelings on it is while I can see kind of where the offense comes from, because this is kind of like the most direct a Godzilla movie has touched on the war itself beyond just... Because even like while mm-hmm. Gojira 1954 was about the nuclear bombings, it was mm-hmm. also really tied to kind of the current stuff, which was the nuclear testing. Yeah. So this is the first time we like literally see the war itself. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I don't know. I, I felt like it wasn't being offensive in its portrayal. Mm-hmm. Like I there's been tons of movies and stuff that kind of depict real historical events in a fictional concept. Mm-hmm. Some definitely work better than others. And there's been playing like American movies where you show have like mm-hmm. fantastical stuff happening in a war. So I feel like Godzilla doing that mm-hmm. is is fair game. Like maybe protecting maybe Godzilla favoring one side over the other is a bit much. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's so intri intrix oh my god, I forgot the word. Intrinsic? Yeah, it's so intrinsic to the plot mm-hmm. that it didn't really bother me watching it. See, for me, I guess, but I and I think this ties more into the themes. I think the reason why people side eye it is the potential nationalistic reading of it, even though I don't think Amori intended for that, and and just everything that's tied into Imperial Japan, which is in and of itself a loaded topic. 
about yeah. about the idea of portraying America as the aggressor in that conflict, which mm-hmm. ties into a lot of stuff, but in pro-Japan apologism. But I'll save that for discussion of the potential nationalist readings you can get out of this movie. Um, R- Richard, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I was more distracted by like the fact that Steven Spielberg's father was there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that that really took most of my attention in terms of uh, the American soldiers. Um. Yeah, I, I honestly like didn't know that it was a controversy until I had read about it on uh on Wikipedia. Um just because yeah, I feel like I feel like um it's it's fair game. Uh and plenty of American movies uh have definitely shown uh soldiers from other countries uh just being decimated by whatever it is at the at the center of the film. So I mean, I, I figured that it was just, yeah, it, it, it was fair game. They're basically just kind of like army men there to uh, just kind of create uh, a sense of like casualty in the in the film. But yeah, I didn't think that it was anything uh, offensive. I think it's I think it's interesting that, that you know it was kind of looked at that way. Yeah, crash. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Jump. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's I don't know. It wasn't really until you pointed out that people thought about that that I even began to really see it that way. Mm-hmm. Because just in the context of the movie, it's not like they rewrote history or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just a very small kind of like you know army platoon there, and while they get wiped out, it's not even like like mm-hmm. gory or like blood or anything. It's actually kind of funny. <laughs> they just kind of get knocked yeah. over. It. But um, yeah, I never really saw it as like offensive in any way. Obviously, kind of like Tun was saying, I don't mm-hmm. have that like kind of connection to like. World War Two as much, so maybe mm-hmm. that's why I don't know. Maybe like older folk who saw that like personally took offense to it, but like I don't know. It was definitely kind of weird, I guess. But I didn't. It didn't really like mess with me or like offend me, really. Mm-hmm. Which 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 I think is fair because to offer a counterpoint to what I said, on the other hand, later on in the movie when Godzilla sees Shindo again, he kills him. <laughs> So it's like, yeah. <laughs> Damn. there's definitely the argument to be said that Godzilla was yeah, more just defending, home. was more just <laughs> defending his territory than any real like uh-huh. actual like favoritism of a side from a from a giant dinosaur. But I mean, yeah, they just happened to be there and be the first ones to annoy mm-hmm. him. So he was like, "I'll I'll kill you guys right now." Yeah, because the Japanese soldiers didn't fire on him. But the American soldiers did, mm-hmm. and then they fucking loaded him up with like artillery. <laughs> That's a pretty poignant scene when Shindo mm-hmm. fucking dies. It's yeah. very, it, it kind of comes full circle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what's mm-hmm. next topic? Is it what Wild I think? It is? Are you are you rushing me along? No, I was just, is it no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, I'm just memeing. I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, which I guess the next um topic, I guess, is is the themes of the movie, and more specifically on the nationalism, to expand it beyond um just that initial one, like the fact that that you have um the fact that the people are coming from the future, 
to prevent Japan from getting super powerful <laughs> and like, buying entire continents. That made me really that made me laugh. Sorry, like, yeah, they were just buying like Europe, Africa. They were just buying it all up. I was like, I didn't even know you could buy a country like that. I knew they were sale. <laughs> and like this thing is historically at this time in the nineties, there was a lot of tension between Japan and America. Like you could really see it in the media of the time from stuff like Akira, Ghost Ghost in the Shell, or on our side, Michael Crichton's Empire of the Rising Sun novel. And or, or even in stuff like X Files too, where it's had episodes about Japan covertly infiltrating stuff in America. So there was a lot of that tension. And I think you can really see that see that in this movie. And I'm curious what you guys feel about that, if anyone would want to go first. Yeah, um, I, uh, I guess I, I'll go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first watched the movie, I was kind of iffy on that plot line. It just seemed kind of random to me. But mm-hmm. considering when this was made, 91, so this is coming fresh off of like the 80s when you had films and stuff you mentioned. And also, um, it made me think of Blade Runner. Yeah. Because there was that big concern that, like, or well, kind of thought at the time that Asia would just kind of like take over everything. So that's why Blade Runner has all those Japanese commercials and stuff in the background and people eating ramen. So looking at it from that perspective, I guess that's kind of like a response to kind of that thought process is like, mm-hmm. oh, so you think Japan's going to do this? Well, if that did happen, Americans would probably do this in response. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, kind of interesting that how it's kind of like a reverse commentary on that thought process. I guess I was kind of funny. But I guess, yeah, considering you put, if you put it into that context, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, I guess, yeah, they sent a bunch of white people from the future to <laughs> come back and stop and spread. <laughs> that, I don't know. I guess I don't have much to say. You kind of just said everything there is to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I guess for me, initially, I didn't really think much of it as well. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't, I never actually really knew that about the whole context of the time period. That was like a genuine fear of people. Yeah. It's going to take over the world. Yeah, it, it, that's a whole big can of xenophobic worms. I was going to say, was it even like founded in any way? Or was it just Not like, really. Wow. It was basically fear because of how well Japanese in- industry was doing. Success, no. Yeah, <laughs> practically. Wow. A, a, a very um, uh, yellow panic kind of thing. That which sucks. you see a lot. It's unfortunate. Um, Richard, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I uh, I definitely I, I knew about the context going in. Um, just being like a fan of mm-hmm. cyber, um, I was just like familiar with the the fears yeah. of uh, Japan becoming like a, a major superpower in terms of mm-hmm. technology. Uh, so yeah, I definitely uh, caught that aspect, and I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like it, it, it's interesting, like there's like a there is like a, an honest aspect to it that I like kind of like appreciated that like Japanese people were like, all right, well, since you're going to like make us like the bad guys for our success, we're going to kind of like take uh, control of that here. Um, but I do mm-hmm. think it's funny. Uh, uh, the, the people that were, <laughs> that were sent back uh, from the future, 
that definitely some some choices there. Um, yeah, the Android in particular. Um, you know, I and I just going back to like that idea about it, kind of like being in response to uh, uh, the '80s and like Blade Runner and stuff. Uh, I also got some like uh, some Terminator from the yes, dude. Yes, uh, M- M11 is definitely Terminator inspired. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting how um, it's kind of like tying in some of these like uh, big big American films that kind of like used uh, technology and like some of the themes that like Japan was already exploring before they kind of became big in America. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good lead in to talking about the time travel element of the film. So I guess we'll start with first. What do you guys think of the Godzilla source? Because because of time travel, we get to see how Godzilla started. Mm-hmm. That was probably the coolest part of the time travel. I feel. Getting yeah. I, I I was trying to find the text. What it's called Godzilla Saurus. Yeah. In, in Japanese, he's called Gojira Saurus, but yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, the Godzilla Saurus was cool, dinosaur-like, and you know, very resembling Godzilla, but also more. Dinosaur, like I guess, more natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, can I just talk about the time travel in general? <laughs> One second, Chris. I'll I'll, I'll be getting to that. I I just want to get um uh, everyone else's thoughts oh, yeah. on the Godzilla it was cool. I like them. Um, Tom, do you want to talk about the Godzilla Saurus? Yeah, Godzilla Saurus is actually a really nice design. That I like a lot. Um, at first I thought it was kind of Jurassic Park inspired, but taking a peek, Jurassic Park came out two years after this one. Yeah, this is like one of the first big dinosaurs to be portrayed in the horizontal stance, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Um, a very kind of like unique modern design, but still has a lot of that retro dinosaur style, so I, I love the Godzilla source. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know Therapod S. Godzilla is kind of a controversial topic in light of a certain movie, but it'd be <laughs> kind of neat to see the design resurface. Yeah. Richard? Yeah, I uh, I love a good origin story, so I thought it was super cool to see uh, it's kind of like proto-Godzilla. Um, is yeah. it the first time that his like full origin was shown on screen? Yep, it was. In Gojira, they just mentioned it in passing. So this was the first time they, they, they delved into it, and only time so far, actually. Which is interesting. Yeah, I I thought that was I thought that was really cool. It was like a I don't know, like a cool piece of like canon to be able to to see that and yeah, just a, a design and especially like since like my love of Godzilla started with dinosaurs, it was just kind of like a nice, you know, full circle thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I really love the Godzilla source design because it has that nice mix of mon- of modernness while also feeling like Godzilla. I also appreciate it being its own species and not just like, oh yeah, Godzilla was just a T Rex. Like I think there's a lot of originality with that, and I, and I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, it was kind of neat how like at the quick scene where they compared him to a T Rex, where like, no, he's kind of different. Yeah. Also, he has the gamma roar, which I'll never find not hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they got the gamma roar, but it's really funny. Mm. Um, and I guess that's a good time to start with Crash because we didn't want to talk about this entire time. The time travel. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the time travel just fucking blew my mind away. I was genuinely so confused the whole time. Well, okay, but like halfway through, I had to like, like while we're watching it, I was like, Mulder, can you like, 
run through this with me so I understand what's going on. Because uh, one good question I had while watching the Heisei era was, um, is this Godzilla the original Godzilla, or is it a new one like most of the Shore era? Mm-hmm. And I finally got my answer. But it was in the most complex way I could ever imagine. <laughs> so it's like their whole thing is they want to go back. They want to stop Godzilla from existing. That way yeah. you can't fuck him up in the future. And so they, yeah. they find a Godzilla source, and then they, they fucking put in the ocean so he can't do anything or get hit by the nukes become mm-hmm. Godzilla. But then they go back, and then there's King Ghidorah because the Torahs there. But then they find out that Godzilla still exists because they didn't actually stop Godzilla from existing. They actually created Godzilla from existing. And they feel like a time prophecy of time loop and shit. And so it turns out they didn't change anything at all. In fact, nothing changed. And... <laughs> And I was a literal stable time loop, and it's so convoluted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is like they they picked up a random ass Godzilla stories and they put in the ocean, and then like 1980, there was like a nuke a nuclear rocket tank or some shit that fell and mutated that Godzilla that became Godzilla from Return of Godzilla, and it's just like I was so confused. (laughs) It was like it was just such an extra way of being like, yeah, this is a second Godzilla. But they it's had to a, make a whole thing about it. It's really convoluted, and that's probably one of my biggest issues with this movie, is the time travel is way too convoluted for my taste. And I don't like the fact that there's one big element to it that really bothers me. Nobody in the movie mentions, why do we still remember Godzilla then? Well, <laughs> okay, that's I was saying, okay, that's also a big thing. Also, it's like, how do they know King Ghidorah's name? If he's like, yeah. brand new, they're like, oh, it's King Ghidorah. Yeah, it's just like... It, oh my goodness, this movie really bothers me. But that's the thing, like, don't they, they remember because nothing changed? Yeah, that's the thing, but nobody, nobody points it out. Nobody's like, wait a second. If Godzilla never existed, why do we remember Godzilla? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like I mentioned, I guess when the nukes hit in 1954, I guess the future people were like, we're just going to leave Ghidorah there. Just leave him sleeping until 1991 when we actually yeah. want him to attack Japan. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's, so extra. <laughs> I, I don't like it because, like, you have to explain it in a convoluted way. They put Godzilla Saurus from 1945, no, no, 1944 into the Bering Strait in 1983 or, or 1982, 81, 80, around that time frame. A nuclear sub sinks. That nuclear sub mutates that Godzilla Saurus into the Godzilla we see and Godzilla 1984 and Godzilla Sabayalante. So, therefore, they made, they made a time loop. They're responsible for Godzilla existing at all. They didn't stop him from existing, but nobody picks up on this or realizes it when they realize we can still remember Godzilla, but somehow everybody knows King Ghidorah's name, and it's yeah. just such a mess. <laughs> How do they know his name? Because they never he never showed up until t- five seconds ago in that time <laughs> frame. <laughs> it, it, it's just so different because, like, going from, like, Return to Biolante, and they keep it, like, super... Like grounded, much more yeah. serious. It's like the fucking time travel, dude. They brought it back to the future and the past, and I'm just like, oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> and then, but 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 you know what? I'll save that. I'll save that. Um, what do what do you two think of the time travel for Richard and Son? You want to go, Richard? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's super convoluted. I uh, especially it came out after Back to the Future, which I feel like really like. That was oh, not to cut you off, but that was literally why they added time travel to the movie. They confessed to it. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting because like I feel like the rules in that are just like super clear and like here's what you have and like here's what you do. And even like 
you know, going back to, like the the Terminator aspect again. Like even that, I mean, there's like some weird like you know stuff about you know how does uh, uh, Kyle Reese become John Connor's dad and mm-hmm. John Connor's one who sent him back. But even that, like, it's just like it's a lot simpler than than what this is. And yeah, that was thing with like the Godzilla 1984 and like Violet like was what made me wonder like is it is it the same Godzilla like did those events like still happen and then you know like some of those plot points are like picked up again later so just kind of those yeah it's very convoluted but those boats still happened because here's the thing they didn't change anything they're actually why Godzilla exists the second Godzilla <laughs> Which is why it's so confusing and nonsensical. But I'm sorry, continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it's weird. I feel like time travel, like, it can easily, like, I feel like it's just an element that you kind of have to, like, be careful with because I feel like it can easily just, like, become a jumbled mess. Uh, and yeah. it isn't in, in, in this film. Uh, you know, it's, I can go along with it because, like, the movie itself just feels, like, very pulpy um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the, the science aspect of it, which I mean, like it's always like stretching a little bit, but I I felt like in the previous one with Biolante, I felt like at least like there was some actual like science of like how the rules yeah. and stuff would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is just kind of like eh, I'm just gonna like see like see what six to the wall. Yeah, Ton, do you want to go? Because I know you were confused as well during this. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I love a good time travel story. Big fan of Back to the Future, Terminator, uh, Steins Gate. So I love when there's good, well-written time travel with a lot of rules. This was mm-hmm. not. Though <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know, there's just times. There's just kind of times when the script almost feels random when it wants to bring up time travel rules and then kind of ignores them. And, like, it's fine. Not everything has to be, like, super complex, but then they make it super complex. Yeah. (laughs) Because I literally did not somehow my first watch catch on to the fact that there were two Godzillas. I thought um, there was just one. But somehow things still happen, but no, it's just it it threw me through a loop. So I it hurts my head a little, but I I yes, you, you just gotta have to roll with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess real quick, I'll bring up another problem I have with this movie's plot. This mm-hmm. movie is it is like is like fucking whack a mole. They get rid of Godzilla. And King Ghidorah comes in. They bring Godzilla back to get, get rid of King Ghidorah, but then they bring King Ghidorah back to get rid of Godzilla. Yeah, it's like an endless fucking monster. It's like, yeah, we gotta keep bringing him back to stop the monsters we keep bringing back. <laughs> and it's just, oh my god. Well, that was the thing. I thought, like, when Godzilla stopped King Ghidorah, I thought that was the end of the movie. <laughs> then they kind of kept going. It's like, oh no, shit, we gotta bring back King Ghidorah to stop Godzilla. And I was kind of like, is there another act to this? I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, and that final act was very tacked on to a degree. It feels very... We've been there, seen, seen that, done that, with Godzilla attacking again. After two movies, but that was like the main plot. Yeah, although we did get Mecha Godzilla, which is... Mecha, Mecha King Adora. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Richard or Tone, if you want to comment on that aspect. Yeah, it, I, I noticed that too. It, it's just, it's super weird. Kind of just like a, an endless loop of like, we uh, need to solve this problem. So we're going to create this other problem. And now that's an issue. And just kind of, it could be a, a never ending, a never ending cycle, really. Yeah. You almost wonder why. Then mm-hmm. just go back in time and pick up the do- door That's what I was going to say. I was going to think that, but I kept... I only didn't say this because I was like, do they not have access to the time machine? But she escapes from the time machine, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. She just stop the door. It's, pick that shit up. Pick up, like, one of them, at least. I <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I don't like being that guy that's like, oh, but why did he do this or this or that? But, like, in this movie, that just feels super prevalent, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Mm. Which I which I guess for the final topic for this, I guess I'll get I'll get into is what did you guys think of the characters of this movie? Because I feel like this cast feels a lot weaker than the cast of G eighty four and Violante personally, but I'll let you guys go first. If anyone wants to start. Uh I guess I'll start. Uh I I both like and dislike the cast. There's characters I like a lot who mm-hmm. I think um, are really interesting. Like I love um seeing Miki Sagusa again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love M Eleven. Just such a yes, I love M Eleven. Such a fun character. You can tell his actor, uh, Robert Scott Field, the actor of M Eleven, was just having a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like kind of the main characters were kind of a little flat and mm-hmm. not super charismatic. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. And, like, for me, I just feel like feel like they don't have as much depth to them as you see in G84 or Biolante, personally. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not sure why that happened. I'm, I think it might have been probably something from Toho, like, more monster stuff, less human stuff. But... Whatever, crash. If you want to go, um, yeah, uh, they definitely felt. Well, I I feel like I like the future cast people a lot more. I think mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Miki, she was back, but she honestly, I probably would have made a difference if she like didn't come back because like they didn't yeah. take advantage of her psychic powers again or like really mm-hmm. use her that, that much. Honestly, yeah. so I felt like just it was nice bit of continuity, but like she didn't really play a big part of it, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. I want to see her like future psychic powers against like Ghidorah or some shit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, the main cast, kind of whatever I guess, mm-hmm. more standard. Uh, I like the um, I forget what's her name, the girl from the future. That oh, Emmy. Emmy, yeah. yeah, I like her. She was cool, and obviously M Eleven was really funny. He did like the fucking Linkara like run, it was, like, <laughs> running towards you. Yeah, <laughs> like, jump scare. Um, he was cool, and all his all his really like funny English. <laughs> she said, yeah. How are you? And he like shoots like three people at once. Yeah, he was, he was a really yeah. fun character to have around, and obviously Shindo. I like Shindo. His whole oh yeah, Shindo is really cool. I I do like Shindo a lot. Oh yeah, and just a tragedy at the end. He's like that the monster who saved me is now going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good scene. I liked that. Agreed. Um, Richard, if you have any thoughts on on the cast, yeah. Um, I I also really like uh, M Eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Miki, I I liked uh, you know that she continued 
she doesn't have a lot to do, and I agree that it would be cool to see her like psychic powers. Um, but I, I, I like that she like becomes this like through line character through this. Same. Um, and I, I really like like the the G force aspect that happens eventually. Um, Same. And so yeah, I, just for like the the sake of that, I I enjoyed her being in there because um, I I like that she has a uh, an arc, but I do think that it could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, stronger here, and I would have liked her to see her use her like psychic powers. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much other stuff going on, like with, yeah. with travel and everything. Like, you might as well just like throw the psychic powers in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. real quick, I'll also give a shout out because Akira Fukube came back to score this movie, and you can really tell because there's a lot of old themes there. Like King Ghidorah's theme is back from the Showa era. You have the Godzilla theme back in full. And I think he does a really good job with the score of this movie. Yeah, the soundtrack's great. I love it a lot. Crash. Yeah, a, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go on, Richard. Yeah, I was just gonna say that it's a it's a great score. Like I just I love the uh, central Godzilla theme in this. It's I think like probably like along with the original uh, Gojira, um, and then like uh, Sam McCreary's recent addition, like this one. Uh, yeah. and it's probably like in my in my tops. It's it's just a really nice uh, score. Agreed. Crash because because I, I know you're excited to hear the main theme come back. <laughs> oh yeah, anytime they bring back the main theme, I'm a, I'm a happy camper. I love that theme. It's very classic. So obviously the way they introduced that also Ghidorah's theme, which mm-hmm. was one I also really like. So hearing that again, say yeah. it was really cool. I love when yeah. they I always recommend old scores. Agreed. All right, so I think that's a, this is a good time to do our closing thoughts. Richard, if you want to go first on your closing thoughts on Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I, I enjoy this movie. Um. Definitely think that like part of my enjoyment comes from uh, nostalgia, since it was mm-hmm. one of the early uh, Godzilla movies that I saw. Like, there's there's definitely a lot of stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I I do I really enjoy like the the character designs like. Again, I think I think Godzilla looks great in this. Um, yeah, I, I like the like kind of like like he almost has like a feline look. Um, yeah, he does. And so like I I don't know like when I think of when I think of Japanese Godzilla like this is probably like the one that I think of. Um, and again, like I, I love the design of of Mecha Godzilla. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a fun time. It, it's 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 super pulpy, um, which I also. I also enjoy a lot. Um, it feels different from the other ones uh, of this era. Um, it's not as dark, um, and I, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the best one uh, of this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I feel like that there's like a lot of there's a lot of creative elements, and I do kind of like that it's working uh, in conversation a little bit with Hollywood blockbusters, like you yeah, know, like Back to the Future using time travel and the success of Terminator, and even like. Yeah. Uh, the Blade Runner thing with like the fear of Japan becoming a superpower. Like I really like films, you know, that work in conversation with other films. So I feel like, like for that reason, like beyond just like the cool design aspects, I just feel like the cultural aspects of it are just really interesting to me. I definitely agree. Crash, if you want to do your closing thoughts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, coming off of Bailante, it was definitely a really interesting movie and a really weird one. And yeah. despite like a lot of my confusion and kind of issues with how it like progresses, this mm-hmm. was a really fun movie. I had a blast watching it the entire mm-hmm. time. Uh, it's kind of like Megalon if it was good. Yeah, like, <laughs> like there's so much crazy stuff in it, and it's just like it's just fun to watch, even if I think it's pretty messy. And mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, <laughs> mm-hmm. and of course the ending where. Also, I mm-hmm. I kind of do appreciate the fact that they haven't tried to make Godzilla a hero again. Because if mm-hmm. I feel it'd be too soon to do that, I'm glad he's yeah. still an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun movie, and I'm excited for the next one. Tom, yeah, um, definitely not my favorite of the Heisei era, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Because mm-hmm. Lord King Ghidorah, despite my issues with it, is fun. You know, mm-hmm. if you just want a fun Godzilla movie that's gonna like, you know, fun to laugh at. Mm-hmm. Have watch a party with some friends. You know, this this is the kind of guys little movie you think of. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of deep thinking you have to do, <laughs> and if you honestly don't, yeah, hurt your head. But if you just kind of like want a fun Godzilla romp movie to watch, this is this is not a bad one to check out. So, mm-hmm. um, fun movie, and I liked it. Yeah, um, for me, I, I have to agree. This is one that is a subject for me, even if as I've grown up, I've started to see like the cracks in it. But I do still think that there is like good stuff to take away from it, like King of Doors design. I really love Trey Godzilla's origin here. There's a lot of interesting ideas here, if not always the best execution per se. <clears throat> but, I, but I do feel like the, that that's enough to give it a watch. It's definitely not a bad movie. I, in fact, I call it above average. It's just hampered at some points. And I do think it's worth watching to form your own opinion on it. Because there's people in this family who love this movie, and I can definitely see why. It, it's definitely it's definitely deserving of that. It's all about personal taste, really. So I'd say check it out for yourself and see how you feel. All right. So, Richard, thank you so much for, for coming on. Where can, people, where can people find you, and what are you up to? Yeah, uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, so I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm at Richard L. Newby. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what I'm up to, so I, uh, I, I write for The Hollywood Reporter, uh, so I'm doing a bunch of uh, horror movie stuff right now. Um, since it's October, you know, uh, lots of cool stuff going on. Uh, I'm covering the Nightstream Film Festival right now, mm-hmm. uh, covering uh, By Manor on Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. a few horror movies coming out pretty soon, and then... Uh, Starting on a uh, Mandalorian coverage at the end of the end of the month, so uh, all the all the good like nerdy fandom stuff. I'm I'm pretty uh... mm-hmm. awesome. So once again, I I like to thank Richard for coming on because I I I know you're very busy. <laughs> it was very cool to ask if we could delay if we could delay the recording for this so you could interview Terrence K. Williams. <laughs> Always cool to to hear that. All right, this was episode 19 of the Godzilla Roundtable. Thank you for listening. Next time up, we will have Godzilla vs. Matra from 1992, which I know Crash has been looking forward to Matra coming yeah, back. Matra in a while. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for listening, and have a good night.